change careers, break into new industries, transition into new roles, reinvent yourself and make the dent you want. This is the Second Breaks Podcast. And now, here's your host and fellow Second Breaker, Lou Blazer. Hello, hello, my friend. This is episode 58 of the Second Breaks Podcast. Thank you so much for joining me today. We have a first today on the show. I am so excited to introduce you to Catherine Liu. Kat and her husband, Chris, started a bootstrap company to develop and deliver a SaaS product, a software as a service product uh, called Cozy Cal. It's the first time that I uh, got a chance to talk to someone in the startup SaaS space, and there were loads of topics and questions that I wanted to explore with Kat. And so if you have ever, ever thought of developing an app to sell on the App Store or maybe an automated tool, or maybe even dreamt of coming up with the next Facebook or Instagram, then this episode is for you. Kat and I talked about what it means to bootstrap a venture, the sacrifices that she and her husband took to launch Cozy Cal, the challenges that she faced and facing, and how she is addressing those. Kat also shared her experience transitioning from a medical consulting field to being an entrepreneur, such a big leap, including one of my most favorite questions to ask guests, what helped her the most during the transition? For today's show notes, where you can leave your comments, your questions as it relates to this episode, and also to grab the links uh, for all the things that we talked about today, you can go to secondbreaks.com forward slash episode 58. All right, let me transition to my chat with Kat, and I'll catch up with you at the back end. Hello, Kat. Welcome to Second Breaks. Thank you so much for joining me. I'm so glad to be here. Thank you so much for inviting me to your podcast. You know, I've been so excited and really looking forward to this conversation because you are my first guest who is in the SaaS, you know, software as a service space. And also you are my first guest who is in the startup world. So I am looking forward to talking to you about all these things and getting really into the nitty gritty. But the first thing that I thought we could do before we dive deep is to talk a little bit about your backstory, if you don't mind. Could you tell us a little bit about uh, sort of what you were doing before you started Cozy Cal, and Cozy Cal is the name of your product. So, could you tell us a little bit about what were you doing before this? My background is slightly different compared to some of the other guests who featured on your podcast. I would consider myself as a late bloomer. I spent most of my twenties studying school, closing off from the world. Um, so, I'm originally from Vancouver, Canada, and while in college, I was a pre-med student studying science. You know, I worked in the lab doing biomedical research. I, you know, I was so ambitious, I'm going to cure cancer. So I was, I was very academia focused. Um, and also during college, I met Chris. And back then, he was working for a startup. But I had absolutely no interest in learning anything about startups, entrepreneurship. So after graduating from college, um, I decided to move to New York to pursue my master's degree in public health. Um, and I also just want to experience, you know, New York, where people talk about, you know, if, if you can make it in New York, you can make it anywhere else. I was totally sold on that. And I moved to New York and Chris also moved together with me 
Um, and he, so back then he was working as a developer for a nonprofit organization. And when I was in grad school, um, it completely opened new doors for me because prior, you know, um, to moving to New York, the Canadian healthcare system is completely different. We have single payer system here, whereas in the U.S. there's such a thing called private sector. So after graduating from grad school, I joined a Fortune 500 company and worked as a life science consultant. So I interacted with clients from biotech and pharma industry. So it's very traditional, uh, very traditional corporate sort of um, career. And I find it's, you know, very different from academia. It's very fast paced, very high demanding. So, you know, to give you an example, sometimes I get a call at 10 p.m. and my supervisor will tell me to finish up some slides. And that's pretty typical. That's as expected. Um, And I thought, you know, that that is just a part of being a, a consultant. But then later on, I start to wonder what is missing in my job because I enjoy the learning process I enjoy solving problems with clients, but it just there's something that I couldn't quite pinpoint that is missing from this job. Um, so while I was feeling a little bit lost about my career, Chris was started his side hustle building Cozy Cow. So he actually he is sort of the um, the pioneer that first starting this project. And for those of you guys who don't know what Cozy Cow is, so Cozy Cow is a scheduling software um, for business small business owners and entrepreneurs. So when while he was building Cozy Cow on the side, I saw Chris slowly building and nurturing Cozy Cow. And we started to talk more about, you know, product development in the SaaS space and how do you um, find customers? How do you build product that really solves a problem? So I, I slowly I begin to become inspired by the tech world and I and I begin to read more books, read blogs, going to local meetups in New York just to learn more about tech and entrepreneurship in general. And you know, many new concepts like digital nomads, remote working, financial independence, new media, bootstrap, you know, all these like sexy words that I've never heard before. They just sound fascinating to me. I'm like, wow, I, I didn't know that. People can just start a business like that. Um, So I became more involved with Cozy Cow. Also, just to learn from Chris, you know, like how how do you market a product? Because um, he's a developer. So neither of us know much about how to market um, Cozy Cow, but we slowly started to talk about it. Finally, I realized what is missing in my job. I think it is the freedom to be creative and build my own business. So after I realized, you know, after I had that epiphany moment, um, the beginning of last year, we decided to move back to Vancouver uh, and work on Cozy Cal full time. So, so early last year, I resigned from my corporate job and Chris's start, startup also went down shortly after we left New York. So with no job prospects lining up in Vancouver, we really, you know, took a leap of faith and kind of jumped straight into this full time bootstrapping cozy cow together. So in, in both of us are fairly risk averse, but we, we're just so driven to make this work that we really want to give it a hundred percent to give it a try before we start to think about going back to rejoin the workforce and see what kind of job opportunities are out there. So Kat, for a couple of minutes, I wanted to see if we could focus 
a bit on that point when you made a decision to leave your consulting career because you know a consultant job a consultant career that's a pretty solid career path you know if you wanted to move forward and be part of fortune 500 company a consulting career is a pretty stable if you want to use that word sort of path to get there and also you were coming from academia and so it's a very different world plus to your point you were also a bit risk averse so i imagine that that was a very big decision that you made to step away from all of that stuff and jump into the world of startups and 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 tech right and which is not even health related so i was wondering if you wouldn't mind talking to us a little bit about the factors that you considered uh, how did you make that decision? What was the process like for you in terms of making that final decision to whether to stay where you were or to move on to the tech startup world? So consulting is known to be, you know, a fast paced and demanding job. Uh, you as a consultant, you're expected to be on demand and work around the clock to address clients needs. So with a very few exceptions, most people enter the consulting field with the kind of mindset that they might pivot later on during their career. Maybe they will uh, move to, uh, you know, a corporate firm, work in the public sector, join a startup or, or start, or start a business themselves. So they have their own exit strategies. So for me, when I first entered consulting, I was also thinking, okay, I'm good. I'm going to uh, get a few years of experience and then consider what my options are. So I would say when you ask me what are the factors that affected my decision of leaving consulting, I think there are a couple factors that accelerated my decision making because I know eventually I would leave consulting. So my decision process is influenced by a set of external as well as internal factors. So starting from external factors, the first and foremost factor is family. So Chris and I, we got married uh, back in 2016, and our families and friends are all uh, still living in Vancouver, Canada. So we moved to New York knowing that eventually we would move back uh, and settle down in Vancouver, just a matter of time. So I guess um, for us, we really want to make sure that our interests and incentives are aligned. And even before moving to New York, we said when we get married, after we get married, we will start to pave our path of moving back to Vancouver. So that's the first factor. The second one is financial factors. So understand uh, the financial cushion, how much runway we have if we're going to be living off our savings, um, you know, bootstrapping Cozy Cal full time. So, and luckily our family has been very supportive of our decision. So they're kind enough to allow us to stay over at their place. Uh, even though we're full-grown adults, <laughs> and they didn't ask to pay us uh, to pay them any rent, so so we didn't have to worry about that because rent was, um, you know, a huge chunk. It takes up a huge chunk of our income back in New York. So, and another reason is we don't have kids yet, so um, so we don't have to worry about okay, you know, are we able to um, live a very frugal life, you know, like without worrying about the kids, and so kids is off the chart for now, which is good. But I think if we do have kids, we definitely wouldn't take such a risky decision of both of us leaving our jobs full time. And the third external factor, uh, I think, is to just understand the setbacks, assess um, 
the, my risk tolerance level and have a few backup plans listed. So in my case, I was thinking, okay, if Cozy Cal doesn't work or we run out of savings, can we still rejoin the workforce? What's our employability and what's the opportunity cost? So for Chris, okay, he, he's a senior, de- he's been a senior developer for over a decade. So for him to rejoin the workforce, that probably wouldn't be too hard. But for me, you know, um, I could potentially uh, go back to healthcare, work for a, a public sector, or I can try to find an entry level job at the tech company. So it's just, I need to understand the setbacks and the sacrifices that I need to make if things don't work out. And the fourth external factor is just that make, prompts me to leave consulting is the rise of digital era. And people are talking about how easy it is to work remotely or start your own business and plug into the, you know, to the, uh, to the entrepreneurial world. So, and I read one of your posts actually earlier today, and you were saying, you know, with advance of technology, the, the whole world is connected globally. And it just, it has been never easier to, to start a business and sell your products, especially a SaaS product to people from everywhere. So that's just, it's been mind opening for me. Absolutely, absolutely. And also the product that you chose, you and Chris chose to develop is a, uh, a services, a, a growing industry, the small business uh, industry, right? Exactly. So you've also used this word a couple of times now. And so I wanted to dig into this a little bit, this word bootstrapping. And so of course, this word is not new. Many of the folks listening probably have heard or have read about that word before. Um, so I was wondering if, you know, from your firsthand experience, if you wouldn't mind telling us a little bit about what bootstrapping is as it relates to starting your business and how did you decide to go that way versus another route? So bootstrapping in the tech world um, is it's different from a typical startup in terms of that you are not receiving any external funding to kickstart your business. So, you know, in in Silicon Valley, there are many, many VC firms um, along Sand Hill Street. And so there are many VCs loaded with, uh, you know, cash to invest in uh, these 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 early stage startups. Uh, And and um, and but for bootstrappers, um, we basically start off the company or kickstart the company with our own savings. Um, so that is the fundamental difference. And, and with that, you know, you have to kind of develop your strategies, your product development cycle in a way that is completely different from a typical VC backed startup, which is, you know, hunger, hungry for um, rapid growth and expansion. Exactly. So of course, you know, there are pros and cons to going, you know, the bootstrapping uh, way. Uh, and obviously, if you are receiving some kind of funding from VCs, well, then you have funding. Exactly. And uh, you can immediately, for example, get paid out of that funding and you have more resources to develop your product. And so whereas if you were if, you know, bootstrapping, as you were doing, it's all coming out of your own pocket from your own savings. And so, of course, totally different considerations in terms of when you're making decisions, uh, in terms of your action steps or your path forward. Would you mind sharing with us a little bit about the challenges that you and Chris faced? And then eventually, 
how you decided that no matter what, regardless of all these ch challenges, that this is the better path for you to consider instead of going out and looking for funding elsewhere? Yeah. Um, for so for I, I guess I would start from just the challenges that I'm facing um, from my point of view. So when I started first started to embark on this bootstrapping journey with Chris, I was overwhelmed with the multiple hats that I need to put on as a co-founder, uh, especially for a software business, you know, which is completely different from what I was doing before, which is like in healthcare. So to me, the tech is is like a whole new world. I need to learn how to do marketing, how to do customer support, sales, product development, and and also kind of understand the basic principles of how coding works. I mean, I don't need to know, but I think if I know a little bit about that, it will be easier for me to communicate with Chris. And <laughs> so, so, you know, with all these different hats I need to put on and all these information that I need to read and learn, it's very easy to chase down the rabbit holes and spend more time consuming rather than doing things and get carried away with all the noises out there. Actually, to be more specific, our largest challenge now for Cozy Cow is to find new channels, attract, uh, to generate new leads for Cozy Cow. Um, our only channel available now is through the WordPress directory. So 95% of our leads come from there. So for me, I was struggling for quite a while of, okay, where can I find new leads? How do I make sure people hear about us? So I think one thing that helps is to finding a framework instead of reading hundreds of blog posts is just narrow down your focus and follow this one framework that's been tested and validated by other entrepreneurs. And what I follow now is on the bullseye framework from Gabriel Weinberg. Um, and he's the founder of Google Duck. Um, and so he basically, the um, bullseye framework teaches a five-step um, uh, kind of five-step process that help people help um you know, startups to gain traction. So for me, I learned, okay, there's, there are different marketing channels, such as affiliate marketing, social media, SEO, content marketing, et cetera. And for me, I can, you know, like test them. And uh, it's, it's, it's a whole like, you know, AB testing um, process where I um, try something out and see if it works. If it doesn't, I move on to something else. So just, and I think this has been mentioned many times by other um, small business owners is this constant iteration process. You, it is just very, very important when it comes to um, being constantly uh, willing to pivot, willing to try new things. Absolutely, absolutely. And I also, you know, I wanted to highlight something that you said there, because I think the tendency for a lot of us, when we're starting something new, whatever it is, whether it's a new job or, you know, a, a new company or a new business or, you know, any kind of career pivot or career change that we're thinking of doing, the impulse is to study, right? Is to consume yes. as many information uh, available out there, read books, attend seminars, all that kinds of, you know, do training, all that kinds of good stuff, which is understandable because, you know, we want to understand this thing that we want to do next. But to your point, there comes a point where we have to tell ourselves enough because we could literally spend the entire year just studying and not doing anything. Exactly. <laughs> and and I 
been studying for most of my, you know, 20s. So, so for me, studying gets so comfortable. And I feel like, you know, studying is, is, is better than doing or, but, but for me, I have to change that mindset. Definitely. And mm-hmm. also the other thing there that you said that I thought was funny is this concept of A-B testing, right? Is this idea of, you know, doing something, testing it, and then adjusting it a little bit if it doesn't work and to keep iterating and adjusting and to, you know, to test your different hypotheses. And it's interesting because, you know, for a lot of corporate folks, well, perhaps unless you work for a company like Google or Facebook or any of these modern companies, if you've been working in a traditional company or one of those companies or industries that has been there forever, this this concept of A-B testing is probably not as familiar to you. Uh, in fact, the tendency is that you know, you don't move forward unless you have considered everything. So by the time you come up with a project plan, for example, you want to have considered everything that could possibly happen (laughs) before you can uh, proceed. In fact, there are companies or consultants out there that you can hire or that companies hire to do a risk assessment beforehand, right? Before you begin anything so that you're you're basing your decisions based on a well-studied uh, risk universe. So you identify as many possible risks there are and then to either eliminate those risks or, or minimize those risks or identify mitigation uh, or mitigating actions for every single possible risk, which is, you know, not a bad practice. But to your point, you cannot anticipate every risk and you cannot really know until you're actually doing it because it might look good on paper uh, and then you do it and then you think you realize it doesn't actually work that way. So this idea of A-B testing or iterating on your plan is actually a good practice or a good discipline to uh, keep in mind or incorporate in your process, whatever it is that you're doing, whether you're doing a SaaS product or not. Yeah, I, I couldn't agree with you more because I mean, we I'm Cosical is only run by a two person team, just me and Chris. And I, I guess the advantage of that is we're we're very agile. We can um, you know, pivot the direction of the product development fairly fast to meet our customers' needs. But if you're working in a traditional company, a traditional corporate company, especially in a in a, on the more conservative industry like pharma industry, you have to go through layers and layers of communication. Talk to your manager, manager to uh, you know director, director to VP, and then just that that chain of communication it really impedes the the, prog- the speed of the progress. So I think that's why lean startup has been so popular in in the startup world, and it's been vividly studied and adopted for the last you know, decade or so. Exactly. I totally agree. So looking back now, Kat, what do you think helped you the most during your transition? For me to go through this transition, I I really have to give Chris the most credit because he's, he's my husband, also my best friend, as well as my co-founder. So throughout this journey, um, he's been giving me so much support. And let me give you one example. So compared to him, um, I'm more stress prone. I, I get in anxiety easily. And when I, you know, feel stressed out or anxious, I tend to go into the paralysis mode where I freak out and panic and thinking, oh my gosh, should I go back to 
find a full-time job, right? This is not working out. We're, uh, we're losing customers and I don't know what I'm doing here, but he can handle stress much better than me. And he's able to sit down with me and walk me over the steps of, okay, what we need to do next to figure out what things are not working. Um, so, so in that way, he's being, he's able to motivate me throughout the process and kind of ease me slowly into easing this, you know, uh, transition process. Um, because for him, he's been working in a startup uh, industry for, for quite a while. And he knows a lot of the, you know, nitty gritty details of how things work. So he is able to teach me that. So in a way, he's also my mentor. So I want to thank him for being there for me and teaching me, guiding me and supporting. And another, uh, and, and another important factor that helps for the transition is my family. So my dad has been an entrepreneur all his life and he's built a, you know, fairly successful business. Um, so, and he's been very supportive of me making this decision of quitting my, you know, glamorous consulting job in New York, moving back here, living under their roof, um, and giving me this opportunity and freedom to give this a try. So I really, really thank him for that. And another thing, actually, this is also something I would love to recommend to other people who are thinking about starting their own businesses, is find that support network. Um, and for readers out there, so Lo and me actually met each other um, through co-commercial which is a online community platform that's connecting uh, small business owners and freelancers. So we met there. And for me, I think joining a community like co-commercial really, uh, you know, gives me the, the venue and the channel for me to ask questions, observe how other people are doing, learn from other people, because for most of the time you're going to be by yourself. Um, but to, to be able to have that, connection with other people who are in the same boat as you that's very important i think it's just you know like important for for you to learn new lessons but also important for for you to maintain your mental health <laughs> i totally agree and i'm so glad that you said that because i mean in your case you were lucky because you happen to have your husband your best friend your mentor your co-founder all in one right and so you sort of uh, complement each other too. Uh, and so, for example, like when you were talking about when you get stressed, he's the one that calms you down, that kind of stuff. And it actually reminded me of an interview that I heard of Sheryl Sandberg. She wasn't talking about Mark Zuckerberg. She was actually referring to someone else who she grew up with in the in her professional life, a colleague of hers. And she was talking about, you know, in fact, she, she said almost word for word, like what you said, wherein, you know, she, Cheryl tends to be a little bit more, uh, she gets alarmed faster or easier and gets frantic or anxious about certain things. Whereas this uh, co-worker of hers is the one who would calm her down and would kind of help her look at it differently. And so they grew up and so they kind of climbed the corporate ladder together and they kind of complemented each other very well. So, uh, and it's very similar to what you said about Chris. And so, you know, for you guys who are listening, um, you know, if you don't have a husband like Chris or have a best friend or a co-founder, then absolutely find a community where you can find people who are like that. You could find some, someone that you could work with who could be like that for you. So, to 
anybody who is out there, Kat, who is thinking, you know, I've got this idea, I've got this uh, idea for a wonderful app that I want to develop with my friends, what might you suggest that uh, they consider first based on your experience? Where should they start? It's always the hard question. So Cozy Cow is still in its early stage. And uh, Chris and I just reached ramen profitability. So I feel I'm rather underqualified to partake any lessons, but I will be sharing some of the advices that we've been hearing or reading um, from other SaaS businesses experience. So the first one is validate your idea as much as possible before building anything or finding or partnering someone else to build it with you. So talk to as many people as possible. Um, And it's not encouraged to talk to people who are close to you because if you talk to your dad or mom, they probably will say yes to everything. Um, <laughs> or, or, no, or vice versa, right? So ask people who you think might potentially pay you um, for the product. So the second thing is, so think about your potential market and what problems they have. So um, building a product in terms of thinking of how your how the problem can be solved instead of, okay, how much money can I get from selling the product? So do not think about building features, um, but instead of thinking about what kind of value you can deliver to your, to your clients. And the third one, I think this is actually one that is quite important and often overlooked by many people is finding a niche, a specific niche, and then start from there. And if your, if your product is validated and tested, then you can move on to the next niche. Um, so I think that is very important because I think one one challenge we face with Cozy Cow is all of our users and customers are from different walks of lives. There are small businesses with all sorts of different backgrounds. For us to really finding that niche, it's it's hard. So we're like, okay, is it you know mas- uh, massage therapists or are they um, visual artists? So they kind of um, scatter all across the chart. So for us to find find a niche and really target, we have to kind of dig deeper and talk to more people. Um, so that's another thing I think finding a niche is very important. And then this is, okay, this lesson is more kind of on an indi- individual basis is uh, know your runway. So the financial cushion that we talked about earlier, know your level of risk tolerance and have backup plans. So, you know, knowing that, you know, if you're going off your full-time job, um, you, where you, you have a financial cushion to support you over the last, with the next six or six months or a year or so before you come up with a product. So I would recommend if I, if, you know, if I could do this again is to go off your full-time job only if you're seeing some traction and making enough money to support you. I think that is, that is important because it's very, to you know kind of being in the heat of moment and driven by your passion or vice versa driven by um you know the the harsh environment you're dealing with at your corporate job that you just want to jump off the jump off your um, jump yeah jump off the cliff right hoping something catch you um that's not always the case but for me i'm lucky because chris has already been building cozy cow on the side and seeing some traction so that's an evidence validating his idea and was able to convince me to also join him. Yes, that is an excellent point. You guys pay attention to what she just said because by the time Kat left her job, Chris had actually been on this thing working on Cozy Cal for a while. So it's not like, you know, they just 
quit and left their job. And that's a very important point to not miss. Yes. And, and to follow up with that, if you're finding a partner to just um, jumpstart this business together with you, make sure you find someone who's reliable, share your mission and have complementary skill sets. Yes, exactly. Uh, a very good point. The other thing too that I wanted to point out there is that when you were talking about your niche, right? Because I think this concept is also, if you have started a business already, you understand what it means to identify a niche. In fact, I think the the phrase out there is to niche down, right? To be very specific about your niche. But if you haven't started a business or if you haven't yet started a business and you're just thinking about it, it's it's sort of like the reverse, I think, is what we tend to think because we're thinking, wouldn't it be a better idea to be go to go wide as much as possible? So for example, in 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 your in your case, wouldn't it be better if you have uh, as wide as an audience as possible so that it can be as useful to as many people as possible so that you could be profitable faster? But it's actually the reverse, mm-hmm, mm-hmm. right? Exactly. Yeah, because like when you think about even some of the large tech companies out there like Facebook or Amazon, Amazon started off in the, in the um, uh, yeah, in books. Yeah, selling books. And then later later on, they, they kind of disrupted the whole publishing industry. And for Facebook, Mark Zuckerberg was building Facebook while he was still studying in Harvard. So the whole social network started off within the college network. So, so again, you know, even big things have small beginnings. So you, you have to find the niche first. Right, right. Very good point. So just a couple more questions, Kat, if you don't mind. What is a book that's made an impact on you that you might be able to recommend? So I read a lot of nonfiction books, um, especially focusing on startup like Peter Thiel Zero to One, which is kind of regarded as the the Bible um, in the startup world. Um, so I'm actually gonna try to uh, introduce one of my favorite fiction books. So because I, I try to read more fictions to escape from reality sometimes, right? Just just flex my imagination muscles a little bit. So I read a sci-fi book earlier this year, and it's called uh, Annihilation. Um, it's the first in a series of uh, a trilogy called the Southern Reach Trilogy, uh, trilogy by Jeff Vandermeer. And actually, um, I didn't know this, but apparently Annihilation is made into a movie by Netflix featuring Nat- Natalie Portman. So I, I don't want to, you know, spoil the book or movie for anybody, but um, I think if you're interested in science fiction or in, you know, adventure uh, genre, you can, you, you should definitely check out Annihilation. It, it's very, the writing, I, I will only talk about the book, the writing of the book is very unique, almost borderline peculiar. I've never read someone's writing like that, but, and also the world it describes is called Era X in the book. It's also very, that area is also very unique. So it's kind of like juxtaposing, uh, juxtapositioning both the writing and the actual plot. It will just transport you to a very strange and co- peculiar place that is still located on Earth. So. <laughs> Well, I am a sci-fi geek, so I'm definitely going to pick up that book. And to your point, there's way too much nonfiction going on in my brain right now as well, so I need to escape. 
So one last thing, can you tell us a little bit more about Cozy Cal? What is it? Where can we find out more about it? As well as a little bit more about you and Chris. For sure. Uh, you can find Cozy Cal at uh, CozyCal.com and you can read more about uh, the story of how we started Cozy Cal on, on our blog. Um, and for uh, just to give you a little bit more um, idea of what Cozy Cal is. So Cozy Cal, it's a scheduling software um, that allows uh, your clients to directly schedule appointments with you on your website. So you can um, actually embed Cozy Cal as a plugin on your website. And when people click on it, they can see your real-time availability, schedule an appointment with you without having to go through the uh, emailing back and forth. So, yeah, so if you want to find us, you can go to CozyCal.com and chat with us via Intercom, which is a little chat bubble at the bottom right corner. And we reply to user messages on Intercom faster than we respond to uh, each other's messages. So Chris and I, you know, we definitely prioritize customer support before our marriage. <laughs> I saw Cozy Cal a few weeks ago and I love the interface. And so, yes, definitely check it out. And Kat, thank you so much for coming over and for sharing your story and your experiences with us. I so appreciate it. My pleasure. Thank you so, so much for inviting me to your show. It's, it's a great pleasure talking to you. All right, I hope you found this episode useful. You will find the show notes for this episode along with other relevant resources at secondbreaks.com forward slash episode 58. If you enjoyed this episode, I would so appreciate it if you would leave me your feedback on iTunes because your rating and your review will help me tremendously. It will put this podcast in front of the people who could benefit the most from the from the guests, from the information, from the topics that we talk about uh, on the show. So go to secondbreaks.com forward slash review if you're not sure how to do it. And that link will give you the step-by-step instructions as well as the link um, to, the, to where you can leave the review. And while you're at it, you might as well hit that subscribe button right now on your podcast player so you never have to miss future episodes. That's a wrap on today's episode, my friend. I'll be back next week with a new guest and a new career story. Until then, keep on making your dent, my friend. Cool beans. This is the Second Breaks Podcast. 